Jumping in the Word. Okay, we've been following the story of God through His Word. I'm not going to repeat it all to you, but we started in the beginning before creation, and we came to Adam and Eve who were created perfect, but chose their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Uh, and as a result, sin entered the world, death entered the world. But God made a promise to Eve that a child from her own body, a seed of woman, it says in Genesis chapter 3, that a seed of woman would fulfill uh, God's promise of redemption, that this person, this seed of woman, would restore what sin took away. And we have followed for well over a year um, the story of God and following the chase of that seed, looking for that seed to come. Well, last week, the moment came. The seed was here. We talked about that. Uh, that's Jesus, Jesus' birth. We talked about it last week. And so now we're moving through the New Testament. Again, we're not going to cover everything, but we're going to kind of follow the, the move of God through the New Testament as well. And today, because it's where we're at in the text, does baptism really matter? Uh, Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to be. So if you're there, flip over to it. And verse 11 is what I'm going to read real quick. It says, I, John... The Baptist, baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Lord, your word is epic. It is amazing. It's incredible. It's awesome. Uh, the best part about your word, Lord, is that though you give me the opportunity to hold a microphone and speak it, that it changes me too. And uh, I expect that to happen. I don't ever come in here with a speech prepared lord i'm 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 digging into your word wanting to change me first and um lord i pray today as we get into it that your word is louder than me that people all of us myself included can go home today excited about what your word says and moved by that lord i ask in christ's name amen so when i was eight i gave my life to jesus uh, and the natural response was, come down and be baptized. And we were in a uh, church that met in a gym. And I don't remember how many people were there. As the little boy, it felt like a million. Uh, and I, we were supposed to come down front, tell the preacher we want to be baptized, and be baptized. And I was scared out of my mind to do that. Uh, I did, I'd gotten saved at home with my father, uh, praying together with my father. And so now it's time to go down front, tell everybody I got saved, and get baptized. And I was scared out of my mind to do it. And so it took... A good solid year, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure how long, but roughly, before I finally caved and said, no, I've got to do this, and I went down and, uh, and I got baptized. Now, I can't tell you how different that is from 2011, and I'm 50, so there's a big gap in there, <laughs> but from 2011, when I got to go to Israel for the first time, and I can't tell you how determined I was to get baptized in the Jordan River. Now, it's not because, oh, I got baptized and didn't have nothing to do with that. It was timing. It was the fact that God had brought me through decades of drug abuse and rebellion and everything else and delivered me from so much that now I just, it just happens that the timing is, 
is near perfect that I, that that I've come back to the Lord on my knees. I've repented. I've turned back towards Him. I'm chasing Him with all my heart. Now I'm in Israel, and I'm going to be in the same place where Jesus was baptized. Roughly, nobody knows exactly, but the same water. And I'm like, I hope the fish know I'm coming because I'm getting in that water. I was like, I don't care if. And it was cold. It was March, and over there it was cold. The water was cold. I was like, I don't care if I have to jump out the window of the moving vehicle into the water. I'm getting in that. That water. Now, it's not because it didn't work the first time. It's just because my heart changed so much. And I wanted people. It's, yeah, yeah, I wanted people to know. Yeah, I wanted to be public. But it's even more than that. It was, I want this for me and Jesus. Like, I want this for us. Like, I want to experience this moment for us. I wanted to be super personal. Again, not that it didn't work the first time or that it didn't match. It's not about that. It was about me saying, this time my heart is so deep. You changed my heart so much. I want to take a knee to you. I want everybody to know you're my king. You're my savior. But mostly I want you to know I mean that. If nobody else sees, I want you to know I mean that. It changed things totally uh, in the way that I approach baptism. So here's your one little thought to take with you. It's on the sheets. If you got one, if you didn't, you can get it later. But baptism matters because it unites us with Christ in symbolism, in spirit, in, in obedience. It matters. Quick history to where we are really fast. So Jesus is born to Mary. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but she was still a virgin. And she gives birth to Jesus um, due to, by the way, Seed of woman here, virgin birth, seed of woman. This is uh, could have been a more perfect um, response to that prophecy in Genesis chapter 3. So due to a national census, uh, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, which fulfills prophecy. But the family is actually from Nazareth and eventually makes their way back there where Jesus is raised. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is John's mom. She's barren. But miraculously, she is uh, blessed by God to give birth to John. John or Elizabeth and Mary are related. And so John and Jesus, therefore, are related and the same age because they were born at the same time. Now, not a whole lot else is said about either one of them from childhood to adulthood. There's a little moment with Jesus, but, but pretty much nothing else said until we come to chapter 3 of Matthew, verse 1. Look what it says. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. Wilderness in the Bible is always desert. So when it says wilderness, it's like our wilderness. You know what I mean? It's not like forests of Judea. What days is he talking about when he says in those days? Well, Luke chapter 3, you don't have to turn to it, but in verse 1, Luke recording this same account tells the exact date in verse 1. He tells you who's, who's in charge of the world in those days. And then he also notes here in verse 2. The word of God came to John. That was the sign of a prophet, by the way. Remember that in the Old Testament? Over and over and over, the word came to so-and-so. So now all of a sudden, same language in the New Testament. This will be the last time you see it. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming or preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So 30 years passed. Between their birth and now, roughly speaking, around 30 years past, nothing. And then suddenly, there's a voice in the wilderness shouting, 
calling for repentance. Now, John may have been an Essene. Uh, that was a sect or a group of Jewish people who separated them, or religious Jews, who separated themselves from the corruption in Jerusalem. They didn't believe the king was just. They didn't believe the, the Rome was just. They didn't believe, they believed the people of Israel had begun to drift away and turn from God. So they isolated themselves, almost like monk, modern day monks, in order to copy God's word. And devote themselves to repentance and to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. That's what they, they, they believe they were doing. And they lived by the Dead Sea. And I've been to where they were. I got a few pictures that they will pop up here. So that's, they're down in that valley. The sea is up in the left corner up there. The red, that, the uh, Dead Sea. Sorry. You can go on. Uh, that's ruins from there where they were living. Uh, one more. This here. You want to take note of is called a mikvah. I'll come back to it in a minute, but it's the baptismal pool. Uh, I'll come back to it in a second. So you could tell, though, by the way all this looks, what the what it must have been like to live there. You know, we live in the desert, but our, we get water on it. You know what I mean? They're, they're out in the middle of horribly difficult living environment intentionally. Their banner, the Essene banner, was this verse, Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries. In the wilderness, or in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall be level, and rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So that's what they believed they were doing by moving out into the desert, was fulfilling that. Now, whether John was an Essene or not, uh, whether he was or not, by this time that we're reading about, he's now... Preaching, baptizing, and he also has his own disciples. We won't look at that today, but he's also got his own disciples. So what's he preaching? Look back at Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 2. He's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the kingdom of heaven? Because he said it's at hand. We can go, well, heaven's over there. But he said, well, it's right here. So there's interesting question. Well... Kingdom of heaven is a thing, yes, but it's also a person. A king has a kingdom, has a domain, a place. It has a people, and it has a king. I don't care what kingdom you're talking about. If you're talking about England, it's all the same. There's a domain, there's a people, and there's a king. Uh, and when he's saying it's at hand, he's saying, just like it is today, that to belong to Jesus is to belong to his ever-present kingdom. Don't think about streets of gold, heaven. Think about the people of heaven. Think about angels of heaven. Think about the people. And he's saying to belong to Jesus belongs to, means to be part of his ever-present kingdom. But at the time of John, the king is literally there. He's physically among them, man. He's there. Um, and that's what he's preaching, Luke 3.3. 3. He says, again, I'm flipping back to Luke. So I already read this, but he says he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming or preaching. So rather than like the Essenes sitting out in the desert going, oh, God, please, you know, trying to be holy and whatever and beg, beg, the, beg the kingdom and beg the Messiah to show up. Instead, he's trying to be devoted in order to provide a path for the king through going among the people. You see what it says? He went into all the regions and preached among the people. So he's paving a path for the king by going to the people to do it. Baptism of repentance, it says. It's a state of being. 
not a one-time thing. It's saying uh, it's an ongoing thing. Repentance becomes this like lifestyle. What he's saying is it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean it's going to be a one-time action. It's a heart change. It's a new identity. It's a, a, a dissatisfaction with the way you have been and the way you were. And you're saying, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want that to be my life anymore. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means your heart has now changed to go another way. Like, I don't want to go that way anymore. I might, but if I do, I hate it. I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I don't want that. I want to go uh, the other way. And obviously, water can't do that. What I'm trying to say is it's not about taking a bath. It's not about rinsing off anything. Water can't do that. You know? But notice what he said. Repentance comes first. And look, only God can forgive sins, right? So that's why he's telling you the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The one who can forgive sin is here. That's what he's saying. The one who can forgive sin is here. So repent. And again, the call to repent is first and then baptize. Repent is an action of the heart. Baptism is an action of the body. That's something you physically decide to do based on what's happened in your heart. Look at uh, Matthew 3, 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. So talking about John. Again, John is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. So, ironically, the creed of the Essenes, Matthew, the gospel writer, is saying that is John. John is actually that person fulfilling that. And it says, make way, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Um, Molly and I have been in a lot of places, but we've been in Mauritania three times. It's an Islamic republic. And um, the first two times we went... We were in a uh, air land in an airport way outside the city in the middle of the desert, and it's all in that array, that desert there, at Sahara Desert. So we're out in the desert. We're on a dirt desert runway, big plane, but that's what you land in, and you walk across the desert to get to this tiny little building, and it was it was rough. Uh, and then you go through all the customs, everything, you get these busted up cars or you catch a car ride or something and they drive you into the city and you're banging and slamming all over the roads and going sideways and all this stuff. Well, the third time, that was the first two, the third time we went, the airport was immaculate. I mean, it was amazing. And we went in, you plane docks up at the airport and everything, and we went in and we're like, wow, this is awesome. And we go down and we get in the car and we're driving, it's only been a year. But we're driving down this road that's been paved, that's so smooth, it's like, you know, you could roller skate on it without hitting the brakes. You know what I mean? It's just smooth as can be. Um, They had all these statues running down the road and these nice lights lighting it up. As far as you could see, this straight line looked like an F1 track, bro, at night. As far as you could see, all the way to the city. It was beautiful. Uh, What happened? Well, during the year... The Arab League decided to meet in Mauritania, and the king of Saudi Arabia came. So they smoothed out the roads, rebuilt the airport, decked it all out so they'd have a welcome for the king. That's what John is doing here, in a sense, is the same thing. He is announcing the Messiah and preparing the people, though. He's calling them to repent. They're going to be the road for the Messiah to come into their hearts. And John's also called the voice of Elijah. We talked about this a couple of weeks, two weeks ago. Malachi, where we ended two weeks ago. Uh, this is 
John is a fulfillment of that. Jesus said so himself. Matthew 11, Jesus wrote said in verse 9, Who did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. Talking about John. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And verse 14 says, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. That's Jesus saying it. So he, Jesus is pointing them back. I'll show them to you. Malachi 3.1. We read this already two weeks ago. Behold, I send my messenger, and he'll prepare the way before me. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So Jesus is saying John is fulfilling those things. 400 years, over 400 years, before it happened. Malachi wrote that. We just turned in a page in a book, but that's 400 years plus of time. Malachi, is his words are being fulfilled in John, according to Jesus. If you think that's a stretch, then... Talk to the author about it, because Jesus is the one. Matthew 3, verse 4. Let's keep going real quick. It says, Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. That reflects Elijah again. Elijah dressed just like that. Second Kings 1, 8 talks about it. Um, verse 5. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him. In the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, obviously not every single soul went out there. Um, but the point is the impact is so dramatic that in some way it's affecting everyone. Everyone is talking or moved or shook or something by what's going on. It's like when Katrina hits New Orleans and it says New Orleans is devastated. Well, not necessarily every house, most. But the city as a whole is shook by that event. So that's kind of the idea of what's going on here. So, what is baptism? Uh, if you've been part, one reason why the Kazmarskis are on my heart, because David has been teaching uh, on baptism for a few weeks now in his small group on Wednesdays. But John didn't invent it. All right, He's got the label, but he didn't invent baptism. The Jews had done it for years and years, for centuries uh, prior to, it was for ritual purification when they were going to enter the temple. There were other laws that required it, such as a woman's, after a w- woman's time of the month. There were things where they were supposed to come ba- be baptized in a mikvah. That's what that picture was I showed you a while ago. Usually it was fed by a stream, but it would have steps cut down in it, and they would come to it in some number of times. Could be one. Most times it was like a three or a seven. They would come and they would walk down in the water themselves. Uh, waist deep or something, and then they cross their arms and they would just squat and submerge themselves and stand up however many times that the law required for them to do it. So it, the idea of baptism wasn't new, and just like back then, the water did not forgive anybody. It wasn't about that. The baptism was an expression that they were seeking purity from God, uh, even back then. It was an expression of anticipation that they were going to be in God's presence um, but with John, back here in Matthew 3, the Jewish religious leaders show up. I'm not going to read all that. You can read it in your own time. John calls them out as hypocrites, warns them to repent or face judgment. And then verse 11, John says, I baptize you. Now, he's speaking to the crowds, but he's also still threatening these religious leaders a little bit. And he says, I baptize you with water for forgiveness. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. I'm not worthy is basically what he's saying to be a slave in this guy's kingdom. And think about that. 
When he's saying not worthy to carry his sandals, he's saying I'm not even worthy to be a slave in this guy's kingdom. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two things there, Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, the Holy Spirit first. That's a good thing, right? That's a great thing. That's what we want. Uh, that would be a fulfillment of Jeremiah and Ezekiel's words. We talked about them way back when. Uh, I don't even know how long ago that was. Not too long ago. A month or so. We talked about them. Ezekiel 36:26 is the verse that comes to mind where God said through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you. Cause you to work on my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is a promise. John is saying that promise 600 years ago is now here. That promise 600 years ago of a new spirit. That's what he's going to baptize you in is a new spirit. He also says of fire. So baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire could be related to purification um fire purifies things a lot of people teach it that way it may be but it's also in this context related to judgment look at verse 12 he's still talking to these false guys as well and he says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he'll clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat in the barn uh, but the chaff he'll burn with unquenchable fire so he's talking about the idea of you get this fork when you've got all this wheat collected and ground up and then you throw it up in the air And the wind blows through it, and the wind carries off the light stuff, and the seed, the stuff that's usable, drops back down, and then you pull it in, and that's what you make your tortillas or whatever with, you know. Uh, So he's saying that, uh, or the context he's talking about is is a judgment, a separation that's going on, too. He's saying he's going to do both. So some conclusions about baptism here really quick. Baptism, first of all, is never, never causing repentance or salvation that's not happening it it never causes those things that that doesn't happen it's a response to those things something's already gone on in you um in the old testament it was a sign that pre also a sign that priests were beginning to go into ministry so when they turned 30 if they were going to be a priest they were they were supposed to begin their ministry through a baptism well jesus is 30 so this is also about something he's doing to fulfill Scripture, to be baptized. Uh, in the New Testament, it symbolizes our death and our burial with Christ, and it acknowledges our being set apart for him, for ministry. Just like the priests would do it, it also acknowledges us being set apart for him. It publicly displays our repentance, our faith, our identity in Christ. And one side note, the Holy Spirit is not baptizing anybody. Jesus is baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. It's not baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's baptism in the Holy Spirit. Big difference depending on which church you're standing in, to be honest. Look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John was like, what? Hold up. It's a good background noise right there. I love living here, y'all. I really do. I'm telling you. Uh, John, it says, would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. So here is a huge question people love to debate. Why was Jesus baptized? 
he was perfect. If he was perfect, why was he baptized? Well, first, remember what we said, right? Baptism doesn't save you. So he's not gaining salvation from it as if he needed it because it doesn't do that anyway. But there's a common phrase in the Gospels. You'll see it quite a bit as we go through. It's in Matthew a lot. And it's basically worded different ways, but it's this was to fulfill or in order to fulfill or so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, whatever. Well, that's what's going on here. Jesus uses that same language for why he's there. He's obeying Scripture, fulfilling righteousness. It's about identity. Uh, it's not about his sins because he has does he has none. It's not about that. It's about identity. Our identity with him in his death for our sins, and him identifying with us as the righteous substitute for our sins. You understand that? He's coming in as well, identifying with us. It's about, so sinners are identified with Jesus through baptism, although not actually dying as he did. So, so we identify with him by going into the water and displaying that we are dying with him, but we're not actually dying, uh, yet. Jesus is identified with sinners through baptism, although not actually sinning as they do. So he will be the one who does die for our sins, but he's not actually sinning as we do. So he is uniting with us even through baptism in our identity, both, both sides. And this same Jesus, God himself in his word, in scripture, gave us a command to be baptized and to baptize. Gave us a command. You've heard it a bunch of times, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So do you think it matters? I'm trying to be harsh, but I mean, do you think it matters? It mattered to him enough that he did it and he didn't even have to. He's the only person in all of history that had no good reason to do it other than to unite to you and me. And and, and to, to meet us in a place of baptism. And he did it. Verse 16, we're almost done. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Luke's account, he says, in bodily form. So somehow or another, they literally see the Holy Spirit dropping onto Christ here and coming to rest on him. Rest is a key word. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Notice, by the way, Jehovah, Yahweh, the three-in-one God, the Trinity, is all expressed here in one place at one time. Some say there's a a God the Father in the Old Testament, then it was God Jesus in the the Gospels, and then it was God the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Not true. They're all here right here at the same time. Father, Son, Spirit in the same place, acting at the same point in time. Yet, they're one God. How is that possible? Don't have any idea. I don't know how he made Saturn or Jupiter either. It's okay. I don't have to explain him to believe in him. All right? But the Bible clearly teaches that he is one. Have no other gods before me. He's it. But at the same time, all three are expressed here. So this is beyond a powerful moment. And remember what John's ultimately doing here. He's preparing the way. He's making an announcement. This is him. John's purpose here is to display him. To display who Jesus is. And it's the Father 
who's first to identify him as son, by the way. You see that? It's God the Father who says, this is my son, to whom I'm well pleased. God is the first person to identify who Jesus is, and he does it personally. In John's gospel, not, not John the Baptist, different John, John the gospel writer, said this in John chapter 1, talking about John the Baptist. He records this event in verse 31. He says, for this purpose I, John the Baptist, came baptizing with water, that he, Jesus, might be revealed to Israel. So that tells you why he did it. Why should you get baptized? If for no other reason, to reveal Jesus to others. That's what he's telling you. That's what he did it for. He did it that Jesus might be revealed. And the Spirit of God, it says, rested on him, fulfilling another Old Testament prophecy. So we went to 400 years back. We went to about 600 years back. Now we're going to over 700 years back to Isaiah in chapter 11. Isaiah in chapter 11 and verse 1 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That Jesse was the father of David. So this is saying this person will be a royal king in the line of David. Verse 2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Same language. That's what's happening here. Rest means settle down. Be at home. Rest means this is where I live. When I go home and I kick off my shoes uh, Sunday afternoon and I crash onto that couch, wiped out from a long week and just take a deep breath and the dog comes up and lays on my side or whatever it looks like, that is rest. Why? Because it's my home. I'm completely comfortable here. This is where I belong. I am completely at peace in this place. That's the way the Holy Spirit landed or rested on Jesus. Jesus is home for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is where the Holy Spirit belongs. They they are the same. They, They are at home. So what about us? Well, in Christ, we are we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we get saved. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he remains on us because we are identified with him and he paid our sins. If you think I'm wrong, I'll give you a couple of verses here. Ephesians 1, or I'll give you one. Ephesians 1, verse 13. It says, in him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed With the promised Holy Spirit. That means he rested on you. Look what it says. It didn't say anything about baptism right here, did it? It said, when you heard and believed. So when you hear the word of God and you believe in him that the word speaks of, Jesus, then the Holy Spirit descends and remains on you. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's now sealing you and after the baptism of Holy Spirit, Him remaining on you at salvation, then you go get baptized by water as a testimony to it. The point of our baptism is not to save us, it's to identify us with Him. One more verse, Romans 6 3 says this Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Look what He's saying, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too 
might walk in a new life. That gets preached at most baptisms or read or quoted or it's on the back of a shirt if they give you shirts or something. Um, But what he's saying is you go into that water just as Christ went into the grave. You go into that water just as Christ went into the grave. And just as Christ came out of that grave, when you're raised up, you're raised out of that grave. But something's changed at this point. You remain in that grave. It's Christ who comes out. It's Christ who comes out. That's the picture of what's going on. Is it saying, man, I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. And you go to that water and you say, hey, look, I'm, I am symbolizing what, what, what death. You can't live underwater, right? You can't live underwater, obviously. So that's the whole point. You're going in, under the water just as Christ went into the grave. And you're saying, I can't live here. I'm dead. I'm dead. But l- let me remain dead. But Christ, when I come, when, as I come up out of the water, Christ, you give me a new life. You live through me. Let people see that it's you who live and no longer I who live, but only Christ. Um, that's the picture of baptism. It does matter. But it should be exciting. Not a burden. It should be exciting. You guys want to stand up with me. and uh, We're going to do another song here. But I want you to stand up. And, and I just want you to close your eyes for a few minutes. And I'm not getting uh, super holy or trying to make you uh, miss something or anything like that. But the reason I say that is because I want you to be able to focus a second. And let everything else not be on your brain. Um, Imagine what the moment is like. You're standing there on the side of the Jordan. You're seeing John baptizing people. And lines and lines of people are coming from everywhere to be baptized for repentance. Imagine Christ coming in that moment. And we know who he is coming in that moment to be baptized in this perfect person who has done no fault, no wrong, nothing has come anyway. What's holding you back? What, what, puts, what puts a wall in your way? If you've been born again and baptized, then next question is, are you preparing the way for the Lord? Are you making disciples? Are you baptizing people? Are you encouraging others to be baptized? Are you obeying and honoring Scripture? But if you're, if you're not, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you don't know what born again means, it begins with repentance. It begins with recognizing I'm sick of this. I'm sick of sin. I'm sick of failing. I'm, I'm sick of the life that, that I think is important and I know there's more. It's, it's in realizing that Jesus is who he says he is. I can't explain it. I don't, it's, it's so far beyond my ability to explain, but I fully believe it. I completely trust that it's the truth. It's in telling him that I know I'll never be good enough for your kingdom. That I, I'm not even worthy to get your sandals. But... I trust that because of the cross, because of your sacrifice on that cross, I'm clean. And I'm welcome. And I'm a ch- your child according to your word. 
And you're trusting that though you'll never be able to defeat death and get out of a grave, he has. And because you belong to him, so will you. If that's you today, tell him. You don't have to come tell me. I want you to. But just tell him your own words. You know, I confess and I believe. And then come see me because we want to baptize you. We want a plan to do that. If that's something you want to do, let's get it scheduled and do it. And move you forward into making disciples. Lord, I love you. Your word is awesome. Thank you for those who are here today to share it with me. I pray, God, that you continue to move our hearts closer towards you. Looking forward to next week uh, as well and um, what you'll do, not just here but everywhere as people who've never even thought about you before maybe begin to think about you and maybe for the first time or, or maybe return to you. Love you, Lord, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.